Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Light the Fight, and we're lighting the sweets right now, because before we started <laughs> recording, we are talking about cookies, gummy bears, and gummy snacks. we don't snacks. have anything. We don't. I have a diet drink from Swig. I, and it, I just told you, it looks delicious, and I'm going to go try one of those. This is, this is an unpaid ad, but you guys, this is one of my most favorite things, so if you're to, local- Take a little- uh, Little story or something, yeah, here, Brandon. Come on, gonna, get, get your story give game a on. Shout out because if you need emotional support, like the swig. <laughs> if you need emotional support, go and get a fruit water from Swig because it's because it's no calories. It's water. There's no carbonation for you. Carbonation snobs or non snobs. You do you not even drink soda at all. Uh, every now and then. Every now and then. Anyway, so this is water, sugar-free coconut, sugar-free vanilla, and then mango and strawberries. And they give you this fat straw. It's delicious. So if you just need that emotional stability. But for all the people who don't live in the Swig, Utah vicinity, yeah, we're sorry. find your local treat store. Because I'm sure there's a lot of places like that around the country. So I don't know. Swig is a one of a kind, man. That's true. That's true. A lot of things come from Utah <laughs> that are sweet. <laughs> Well, yeah. thanks for uh, joining us here at Light the Fight. I'm David. I'm Heidi. And we're happy to be here. And before we get started, we just want to give our big shout out and thanks to 1-800-CONTACTS. They're awesome. We love them. So thank you for being our community sponsor. I want and you guys to know that Heidi I, can finally, see now. <laughs> I finally went and I finally got my 1-800 glasses. So see how good I look? This is so excited because it's um, the progressive bifocal lenses. So yes, I'm old. I didn't say that. I, I know. I'm just. I, I'm just. You're not like, boomer old. Well, Connor calls boomers me boomer. is boomers state of mind. It's not an <laughs> age anymore. It used to be an age. Now it's a state of mind. Connor's calling me boomer all the time. Like he thinks it's so funny. I'm like, you know what? I, I bet he know. does think it's funny. <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah, Thanks for 1-800 Contacts. And a little plug for you guys out there. If you haven't heard, um, got another sale going on for my Parenting Partnership e-course, um, which is basically online training. If you want to know about all my 20 years of experience and approaches to help uh, families and teens, and you also want to do my agreement that I talked about in my TED Talk, check it out. Go to ptpartnership.com. Uh, and you can just click the link. If you follow us on Instagram, just click the link. And if you're a Light the Fight follower, you're going to get a little access code and get you 50% or 50%. Whoa, $50 off. That'd be real nice of you though. $50 off. Yeah, I, I, I get ahead of myself. $50 off and it's kind of a big deal. You guys should check it out. If yeah. There's a couple videos on there for free. So if you just want to go there and watch the video, um, there's videos that you can watch for free, but there's also a longer video we just posted on there that tells you a little bit more about me and a little bit more about my experiences and how I came up with this information. And yeah, just check it out. So as many of you know, um, Heidi has lo had lost her son, Corey, and he passed away um, over four years ago now, um, coming around on, on the fifth year. And in the news, if if you haven't heard, well, you've heard, uh, Kobe Bryant 
uh, tragically passed away with his daughter and a helicopter full of a total of nine people. And this has been the biggest topic without a doubt, and at least in our country within the past couple of days. Myself, I, I follow a radio station called 92.3. In case they ever listen to this, shout out to Big Boy. What's up? <laughs> I've listened I've listened to this guy, this, this DJ in LA. In my opinion, he's like the voice of LA. If you're from Southern California, LA, everybody knows who he is. You just, he's a, just the biggest heart of a teddy bear type of a guy. Just a good person. And he was friends with Kobe. And this past couple of days, I've been I've been listening to everybody having a totally different experience in their day-to-day life. On the radio show, he's had lots of celebrities weigh in on this, lots of people talk about it. On ESPN, people that are just normally doing their day-to-day life, they're trying to get business done, trying to close deals, trying to do everything. Everybody hit the brakes and everyone is putting themselves in the shoes of that mother that has to grieve the loss of her husband and daughter. Now, People know who she is now. We can't really put ourselves in the shoes of the other people because nobody knew who they were, but we're all putting ourselves in the shoes of the family members, specifically Kobe's family, because of this passing. And what I've been hearing on this radio show and all the media outlets is people that normally cover sports and cover drama, they're talking totally different. Every single one of them are saying, I went home and I hugged my wife. And I was thinking, what if I didn't come home right now? Or I was thinking about my husband. I'm like, what if him and my my child didn't come home? And to see people cry on the spot, just the thought, not just the thought of what if this possibly perhaps ever happened to me. And to see it shake them, to see them kind of shake their heads and, and like they don't know how they'd respond to it, but it obviously elicits a lot of deep pain and emotion. I wanted to kind of veer off our normal type of discussions because as I was listening to this, I couldn't stop thinking about, I wonder what all the people out there who have lost their loved ones to tragedies, what do they think about this? And not only what do they think about it, what comfort and advice can they give to not just the family members of those who passed away, but to everyone else that's trying to trying to wrap their head around it? Because I hate when tragedy happens. Everyone hates when tragedy happens. But I think it's undeniable to say that when tragedy happens, it stops everybody in their tracks and makes people take a totally second, like a total different look at how they're living their life, how they're treating their relationships. And the biggest thing that really shook me came out, I think, last night. At least I just heard about last night. They showed an interview of Kobe and they asked him, hey, Kobe, we and this, this interview has happened a while ago. They said... We hear that you fly around in helicopters all the time. Why do you do this? And his response was really, really powerful. He said, I was missing too many things. He goes, it's because of family time. He goes, I miss my daughter's player recital because I was stuck in this traffic in LA. When I first started playing for the Lakers, you're in traffic, it's LA traffic. But every year it kept on getting worse and worse and worse. He's like, I have the money. I have the resources. I have the connections. I'm just going to get a helicopter, have people fly me around. So he would go to his job, practice, do everything, do his media interviews, boom, 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 jump in a helicopter and fly from where they practice in LA to Newport Beach where he lived, which in a normal time in the afternoon, early afternoon, would take you two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And he said he would get there in 15 minutes. He'd get in his car, jump in and drive and pick up his daughter from school every day. 
his wife told him, what are you doing? Like, I can pick her up for school. He's like, no, I want to pick her up. It's like, this is, he's gone for weeks at a time during the season. He's like, I can't miss this. He goes, I'm doing it specifically so I can spend more time with my family. That was a really, really, I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like, he's trying to make up for whatever happened in his past. He's trying to, and when I'm saying that, I'm like, I know if, if as business takes us away from us, if we make bad decisions in our life, if that makes us, takes us away from our family, he's trying to get back into that. And also he's just trying to just spend quality time with his family. So I know I just threw a lot out there, Heidi, just these are some of the thoughts and feelings that were coming to me, just wondering like what your thoughts on it, what, what possibly could, what possibly could, could be going on with the families and how could other people around them show support? Because I know that you experience a lot of people want to give support, but not a lot of people know how. So you can kick off with that wherever. I just I was just throwing things at you. You don't yeah. have to answer those in any specific order or anything like that. You know, there's a lot of thoughts um, that I've had. I was actually in church um, on Sunday when when I heard the news and. TBH, I'm not like a huge basketball fan, yeah. but of course I know who Kobe Bryant is. Yeah. You know, um, and immediately it just felt like a punch in the gut. It doesn't matter. I think that interestingly enough, because he's a public figure, even though we don't know him, we have seen him work. Very and familiar we've seen with him. him play. And we've heard his mantras and and we know that he's a star you, you know we we know that he was the best at what he did work. yeah hard work um and so even though we don't know him we know enough to feel a connection to him and um and so it caused it's definitely caused you to have a, a morning like a shock you know like who would have thought or who would have guessed? And 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 I I have heard a lot of people say, you know, what if your family member just didn't come home? Um, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV and I don't listen to a lot of radio or anything like that. Um, but I watch Jimmy Fallon. And um Jimmy Fallon came on before his monologue and and before his show and he stood up and he told a story about the first time that he met Kobe and you know Jimmy was telling the story they were both young I guess Kobe was 17 and Jimmy was 21 and they were at a party and they were the only two sober dudes and they were asked to go run a do a beer run and and he's just talking about this this is the first time that they met and this immediate friendship that they had. And, and then Jimmy just broke down and he couldn't get through his story. And, um, and the thing that it reminded me is how important our stories are. And, and when we lost Corey, my most favorite thing was hearing stories about Corey, whether they came from his scout leaders or from a teacher or from friends. Um, I remember 
that like the night after Corey died, um, the captain of his hockey, his hockey team put out on Twitter that they were going to do like a candle, a candlelight vigil. And like within seconds, they, they had said where it was and everybody knew and they invited our family to come. And I was just like, no way, you, you know, no way. And my son Colton went and my brother Cameron went and my brother-in-law and my cousin went kind of representing our family. And he said that as the people, as the kids, well, and I will tell you one secret is that we drove by and it was a, it was at a park that like the road is above and it dips down. And so I had this view of probably 200 kids out there standing in this enormous circle holding candles or lights of some kind. And um, we were on our way back to the hospital and texts started coming in from my brother, my brother-in-law, recounting stories. And some of the stories were crazy, stuff that I'd never heard before. For a good reason, right? Right. (laughs) They they don't tell you those stories. But that brought me the most comfort and the most joy. And I, and I wrote them down. And, and when we had um, Corey's funeral service, we had little cards and, and we wanted people to write down their memories of Corey. Um, people wrote down the memories on the casket. And um, to this day, there's nothing that brings me more comfort than hearing the stories of Corey. And um, I remember about a year, year and a half or so after, yeah, it would have been a year and a half after Corey passed away. And a friend of ours, family friend of ours, lost a daughter that was one twin um, in a car accident. Both the twins were in the accident. One, one twin passed away and another young man passed away. And I remember being asked to come over to the house and I was nervous to come over. And um, I walked into the house and it was just this heaviness of, of death and of sorrow and tons of teenage kids, family members just weeping just this heaviness. And I didn't know this young lady. And I sat down and I said to the group, I said, tell me about her. And they kind of went around, it kind of went around in a circle. And they started telling like the first time they met or the funny things that they remembered. Next thing I know, the mom went and grabbed like a stack of photos that she just happened to have gotten printed. And then there started to be like going through the photos and everybody in the room kind of started to gather around and they're passing the photos around and laughing and telling stories. And I will tell you that this, the spirit, the feel in that room flipped from this heaviness of absolute sorrow 
to absolute joy in this individual. Love and remembering. And all I know that as a mom, like I don't I don't know why, but these stories about how your child impacted other people, about how someone that you love loved somebody else, like it built a wall of strength for me. And, and so, and as I have heard celebrities, a couple celebrities, um, share some stories about Kobe. I have felt that celebration of life versus that just extreme pain of loss that we can't control. And, um, and I think that that was one of the things that when, As soon as like, as soon as I could, as soon as the initial like really serious sting um, from losing Corey, I started to be so thankful that I was a memory keeper. I was a storyteller. And I remember we did one video about it and it was, it was hard. I was promoting product. I didn't want to be promoting. It was just like... When Corey passed away, one of my largest collections had gone into a store that they were counting on me to promote. The furthest thing I could care, like I couldn't even rally, couldn't even care about it, you know? Like, I don't care if I'm homeless. I don't feel like working right I, now. I, couldn't, I could not. And, yeah. and, I, and the collection didn't, didn't do well. And, and that had repercussions, but it didn't matter right but I remember thinking I have a lot of photos of of Corey and I have a lot of stories documented and you know what I wish I wish I had more you know I'm trying to put words like what you're saying and I don't know if if this is going to do it justice but I was trying to understand because I've heard you talk about the stories before, and I'm glad you brought that up about Jimmy Fallon because I saw that too. And 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 seeing that, and then hearing other people that you're just not used to being vulnerable, like people like, "Hey, how's it going?" They're always on, they're on point, and they just stop and just break down. And like, I'm thankful. Like, I'm really, really thankful that we get to see this because I I I I feel, and you tell me if this makes sense or not. I feel it's like this it's like the pain and the death is like the sour and the stories are the sweet and and, sure. and they and they they need to be like they get layered because you're feeling the pain and the sour it's like oh, it stings and they'll say okay the story gives a little sweet like okay that was real <laughs> that's that's a memory that will like he will live on through those stories did that make sense like the the well, sweet and, and not, the sour and like kind of together one person was like i like him so much because he's a good basketball player yeah. Right. It all had to do about it was, he was it trying was to relationships. Yeah, they, you know? they had intimate moments like Jimmy Fallon. They told these stories, and then other people were talking about like what he did for the city. I didn't even know that he did so much for homelessness. I I had no idea. And then you start seeing all the stories come out. Like you get to know the man more so than the basketball player. Now maybe the closest Lakers fans, like the Laker faithful in L.A. I mean, they it just looked stuff. like the gloomiest cloud over L.A. Like they knew oh, that yeah. stuff. I didn't know a lot of that stuff. Um, at the same time on Sunday, one of my dear friends, um, 
her very, very best friend is her little sister. And Sunday night, her little sister, it's my age, um, had a cardiac arrest in her sleep. And miraculously, her husband was actually sitting next to her awake and noticed that something was wrong and called 911, started um, first, first aid on her. And they got her to the hospital and throughout the night she continued to arrest. And, um, of course, family flocked to the hospital and they started texting people asking for prayers. And, and now a couple of days later, they've stabilized her and she's, she's still in critical care and she still has, they still have to figure out what's wrong. But my friend said that she, you know, she woke up and just everything she felt so grateful for everything. Like having this, this brush, she didn't lose her sister. They didn't know that, I mean, I don't know what was wrong with her heart. I don't know what would cause that. And I was talking to, to my daughter, Quincy, who works in a hospital. And I was like, can you believe that nothing was ever even wrong with her heart? And she just had her heart stop. And Quincy said, mom, it happens all the time. And I was like, it, it does, you know? Okay. The message that was going out was this thought that life is so, is so fragile and life is short and you never know because you don't. And I talk about how I didn't know that Corey was suicidal. And, you know, we come to this, I come to this podcast wanting to give people like tools so that they'll be more prepared, so that they can avoid it, so that they can try to control it, right? Because I would love to control it. I would, like, if there's anything, I would love to control it, right? But this podcast is, it, it stands for what's been talked about. It stands for the fact that we don't know and that the relationships are what matter. Nothing else matters when these brushes happen or when things go wrong. It's the stories, it's the memories, it's the moments. Like, did we, did we live in the moments? Did we hug each other? Or were we so mad at each other that we couldn't interact? Or, you know, what I saw on Instagram and in the, in kind of the fallout was this notion of go hug your family, go hug your kids and don't take for granted. Just like this friend of mine, she's like, I, you know, maybe she was mad that her, you know, I don't even know what she might've been mad about. Maybe she's mad that her kids left her cereal bowl on the counter with all the milk full and, Wet towels know, on the floor, wet maybe? Wet towels on the floor, you know, whatever. <laughs> like these things that irk us until it's gone. You know, um, and I, my heart breaks 
not just for Kobe's family and not just for the family of the people who are on the, on the helicopter. My heart breaks for those people. My heart breaks for the people who lost somebody to a cardiac arrest, who has lost someone to suicide, who has lost somebody in a, in a senseless, you know, cancer, life. you name it. Yeah. Life murder. Yeah. Is fragile. And it's worth investing. And and that's what we're here talking about. We're talking about the investment. You know, and something that's really stood out. And first of all, thank you, Heidi, because like I said, I mean, it's it's just really it's really good to hear you weigh in on weigh in on this. Um, and something that what you said made me think about. You see all these pictures of him and his daughter together a lot. His daughter that was always at the basketball games with them. You know, he retired in 2016. Past four years, all he's been doing is coaching her. Well, coach, but like just, it seems like he's just always doing business and family stuff. Right. And, um, as you're talking, it's like, I'm thinking, I'm like, man, like how grateful he must be and his family must be that they got to have their dad these past four years not playing the NBA. Mm-hmm. I've never played in the NBA, but damn, that schedule. And now that he didn't just play in the NBA, he was the best player the majority of his career. Like Michael Jordan was coming out and then he took that. He became a Laker when he was 17. Yeah, it, you know, and it's it wasn't, I mean, he grew up, I think in one of the interviews that showed him, he was talking to another player, he's like, I've, when he was retiring, he's like, I've played in the NFL, I'm in the NBA over half of my life. He played for 18 years, right? And he was 17 when he started. He's like, wow, you could tell he was thinking about it. I was like, I can't believe I've done this for half my life. So the excitement he had to be able to start a new life and you know to take all the things he'd learned and spend time with his kids, it makes sense why he's he put so much focus on on family time. And and our producer Brandon just slipped me something. What is that? And before I read it, this is verifiable facts. I saw I saw okay. that in a couple places as well. Um you know, I, I actually, surprisingly, I didn't see this, but, you know, I guess it had been reported that um, Kobe and his wife had, had made a pact to never be on the helicopter at the same time, just in case. And obviously no one, they couldn't have predicted that, but even while doing that, they were thinking of their family. They were thinking of their kids. Well, when I was writing in my journal, actually last night, um, in my memory planner, I wrote down, Kobe Bryant passes away. And then, quote, underneath that, family is everything. So many people reported that that was his mantra. Family, family is everything. And you know what? That's how we all feel. Whether we always... Whether we always act Monday through Sunday like it's everything, we all have that hope and desire and intention like the... Everyone would say, I'd take a bullet, you know, for my kids. I'd do anything for my kids. And we're always trying to strive to be able to live like that daily. And, you know, I said, this tragedy, as horrible as it was, it is a huge, huge mirror for everybody to to look ourselves in the mirror. And it's it's a painful reminder, too. It's a painful reminder that, like you said, it's so fragile and it's a blessing to have it. And every moment's a blessing. We don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know when... When our time has come, but you're right, family is everything. And I think that family includes people that 
our extended family that are such close friendships because he obviously had so many people in his life. Like I know, I don't know in, in everybody's family, but I know in a lot of families, they do what I do. Anyone that's older than you, that's close to you, same ethnicity, not the same ethnicity, doesn't matter. They're an uncle or they're an auntie. And I, I've always liked that. And, and the reason why I've always liked that, because it does speak to community. It does speak to who we are as a whole. And, you know, you can see all those things with with Kobe and his family, how many people were kind of like surrogate uncles and aunts, and they will be sustaining his family. I know in LeBron James' post today, um, he obviously was very close with Kobe, and Kobe mentored him a lot. And Kobe talked about my daughter, his youngest daughter was the one who's interested in basketball. And from all accounts, she's an amazing basketball player, even though she's young. He's planning on her taking on over the legacy. And LeBron's like, well, I'll take it over for you now, you know, because Kobe doesn't have any sons, right? He doesn't have any sons. So I just like it how so many people can carry the torch for Corey, how so many people can carry the torch for Gianna, for Kobe, for the, the coach and the mom and the other kids. Their family members and their friends now have a fire lit inside of them that's not going to be put out easily. Yeah. The world gets better and we work harder to be better people in the loss of the people we love the most. That, that's very true. It's, it's humbling. Um, Sunday at church, Connor was asked to give a talk in sacrament meeting, which is our, our big meeting. Where, um, and he's 12. This is his first talk. And... You better bet your bottom dollar. He did not want to talk in church. I thought you were saying it's his last talk. Right, <laughs> it's his last talk. <laughs> Might be. Yeah. And um, when he was asked to give the talk, he uh, he was mad. You know, and and I I said, to, and he got to choose his topic, and he said, I said, you know, what do you want to talk about? And he said, I want to talk about how our family can be forever. And um, as luck would have it, we the when we had the talk prepared, and when he delivered it, there was actually two extra weeks because of some miscommunication. And the very first week, um, when when we actually worked on the talk, prepared the talk, he he couldn't he couldn't tell the talk without crying. And um, really struggled, and it, it actually became very, I'm going to say a word you don't like, very triggering for him. <laughs> very activating. You just triggered me. I'm saying triggered. <laughs> um, Sorry, guys, I, I hear that there's, word there's more some, than the average human being. <laughs> some inside jokes there. Anyway, he, like... It really upset him for a couple of days because it just like just preparing this talk just brought up all, all this emotion that you know you kind of yeah. you kind of work to get yourself calloused to mm -hmm. that to that wound, and um, so we had two weeks to think about Corey and to think about his message, and he got up on Sunday and delivered this two-minute talk with such calm and with such, like, 
humble conviction. He spoke very clearly, and it was concise and it was to the point. And it was a little emotional, but he got it all out. And I had more people come up to me and, and tell me how affected they were by his words. Because it was real. What he believed in his message came from such a core, core place in him. It's defined him. It's made him who he is. It's made him how he lives his life. And that's what will happen to people who love Kobe and who take on that legacy of their loved ones is that we want to be better people. And, it, you know, I've heard it all said, you know, it's, it's a shame this, this happens after you, after somebody passes away. Um, but but it helps you really take that time to reflect. And Kobe has, has put so much good out there to reflect on. Yeah, you know, I, having counseled a lot of people throughout the years who've lost children and loved ones, and that was actually the reason why I started counseling them, because it was grief. You know, I, you hear a lot of things being said back and forth, like one of the, a cliche statement, that's uh, quite a platitude, where people say, you know, everything happens for a reason. Well, you know, when we're talking about death, I used to say that. I used to say <laughs> to, yeah, until, like, to, oh, wait, like, there's kinda, no good reason for Yeah. That. Well, and that's what I was just going to say. After sitting with families and, and just being a part of their grieving process, not only seeing them once a week usually, but, you, you know, once a week over multiple years, you get to be a part of it. You get to feel it, right? And um, I can say that I've observed that not everything happens for a reason. And these tragedies, in and of themselves, there's not a, like a reason behind it, right? But it's amazing how so much purpose and drive and a zest to live life with a specific goal and intention in mind can be fostered and can grow from these tragedies. From people that are looking at someone else like saying, hey, that person that died was the better man, the better woman. They were better than me, and I'm still here? I get a chance to kind of figure this out, and they don't get a chance to figure it out? Like, they're gone now? That messes with people's heads because, as we all know, we talk about comparison can, can really mess us up if we compare too harshly ourselves to other people. But if we compare ourselves to a person who did a lot in the time that they had, and we look in the mirror and say, man, I'm wasting time. I'm not really, really pushing the envelope and try to make you know, something out of my life. Sometimes we need pain to fuel and motivate that purpose, to do something that's going to make a difference. We talk about it a lot on the podcast, but and it's not just my sentiment. It's a lot of other people, a lot of research talk about it. It's like, human beings, we need to feel like we're necessary. We don't feel like we're, that there's a purpose for us to be living and taking up molecules and being on this earth. Then we start to wonder, okay, well, then why am I even working so hard for it? Like, what am I even doing? Like, why put all this effort if there's no real specific thing that I'm supposed to be doing? I can tell you, from helping Heidi and her family, from helping lots of other families, and for all those people out there that are grieving the death of Kobe and his family, 
you can turn that pain into some serious purpose and that passion can fuel you in a lot of times where you might have just given up. You might have just quit and said, oh, I'll just, I'll just, I'll get it next week. I'll get it next time. But something like this makes you think, why not now? At least, at least for me and all the people I've helped out the years, that's a common thing that, that I hear and see. Is, is that something that you can relate to? Yeah. To yourself? And I, and I would add to that the, the gift the gift of empathy for those who have lost somebody um, is a superpower. When you actually understand what it feels like, it, it causes you to to treat life and to treat others and to treat difficult situations, you know, with a reverence. And, um, you know, I, I've said this before, but at Corey's viewing, there was a lot of people. And you know how I feel about hugs? It's, yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> there was a lot of Hug hugging. Hug central. It was, there was a lot of hugging. And I could feel the difference from somebody who had lost somebody and somebody who was afraid. And the hugs from people who had been there and who knew what I felt were almost life-sustaining. Almost like reassuring and oh. confident. Like they hugged you with some serious confidence. They hugged me with confidence of you're actually going to be okay. Yeah. And even though I didn't believe it, I felt it. And that's the kind of hugs that I can give now. And those are the hugs that I that I don't back away from giving. Well, you guys, um, I think uh, out of reverence of the conversation and stuff that we just had, let's let's hold off on the questions till next week. You know, we just to let you guys know, we were starting the podcast. But okay, here's our topic. And then as we started going, I just looked at Heidi and I stopped it for a second. I'm like, I, I think we just need to talk about this for today. It just it just seemed right. And so thank you, Heidi, for, for being willing to share with everybody insights and the understanding that you've gained and also that experience that you've had. It, it's been a huge blessing to a lot of people's lives, specifically the people who are closest to you, your fans, your followers. And it's also a blessing to watch other people's lives be, I guess the best way to say it, I'm assuming, I, I'm just trying to make sure I don't put words in your mouth, that's why I stop for a second. You don't see me pause too many times, I'm trying to be really careful. I'm assuming from our conversations that when you get to watch people, when you get to hear people come and say what you went through has really made them think differently about their relationships, it's really made them question their normal carefree habits of just saying things off the cusp and not worrying about, my parents are hard on me, it's all good. But when they relate to you and, and they see the reverence that you have for other people's pain and, and your empathy and compassion, and to see other people not having to lose a child but learning from your experiences, I can only imagine how much of a blessing it is for you to watch other people's lives change for the better, even though your life has been horribly pained and hurt because of this tragedy. Thank goodness there's some good that can grow from it. It's true. It's true. And if I could just just leave this episode with one thought, it is take photos and 
write down the stories. And, and even if you're not using stickers and tape and bedazzling, find a way. Maybe it's in, in notes of your phone. Maybe it's in an, an app that you use. I don't care what it is. But do not think that you're going to remember those stories. They have to be written down. And when we write them down, we create, we, we capture history. And that history, that history matters. And it will create a legacy that you can cherish while you're, while that person's there. And, and if, heaven forbid, they weren't, it will be a lifeline. I don't. I don't say we got a scrapbook or document in case somebody dies up. That's not why, but... Well, everybody's going to have their time. And if it comes early, I guess what you're saying is a way that they can still live with us. Uh, yeah. It, it just, it's just so worth it to write down the story. So, so if, if there's anything, if you're feeling that tug from Kobe, maybe... A situation of someone that you know or someone that you're close to, let it nudge you to write down some stories. Because it's it's valuable, it's valuable stuff. So, um, I think with that, we'll remind you how much we appreciate you listening, how much we appreciate you being here and telling your friends and your family and spreading the word. Um, it puts a big smile on my face when people tell me that they're the biggest missionaries for <laughs> Light the Fight. Definitely um, a Utah thing to say. <laughs> biggest missionaries for Light the Fight. Um, and we, we love it. Thank you for those comments. We do. We love it. So thank you, as always, for being here, for supporting us, and thank you for helping us to Light the Fight.